gospel this morning is from the book of Matthew, the 10th chapter. Jesus said to the 12, a disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and a slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others I also will acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you all this morning. Uh, we are aware that many of you are experiencing audio and video issue, uh, issues this morning. We are adjusting to some new technology here. We hope to have that working smoothly. If this is not working for you online, please remember that you can call in to worship. The number is 763-317-7440. What does fear feel like in your body? Is it a pit in your stomach? A constricted throat? A tense back? A heart that feels like it's going to leap out of your chest? Fear manifests differently in all of us. So take a moment, pause, and think about what your body feels like when you are afraid. If you'd like to share with the rest of your church, you can go right ahead and type your answer in the comments on our Facebook uh, video. Whatever fear feels like in your body, it's not a pleasant feeling, is it? Nobody wants to wake up and feel afraid. 
we understandably avoid it if we can. Three times in today's reading, Jesus tells his disciples not to fear. I think that most of the time in the American church, we have tried to heed Jesus' words here. But we have tended to be not afraid by avoiding the things that we think will bring fear. We see something ahead that might make us nervous, and we circle our way around it or dodge it altogether. The church has imagined that what, when Jesus tells us, be not afraid, what he really means is be not uncomfortable. We have imagined that the opposite of fear is comfort. And so that is what we have tended to pursue. And this is why the church in America is not known for rocking the boat. Consider this. People often do not join a church until they have a mortgage and children. Why is that? It's because we have communicated that church is about stability. It's for people with stable lives. Be not uncomfortable. It's why the church has often valued niceness over realness. We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable, and we will go to great lengths to edit ourselves to ensure the comfort of others. Consider the list of topics people are reluctant to broach in church, or that you might find it inappropriate to hear a sermon on. Consider that most congregations are largely monocultural, often segregated by race and class. Consider why it is that people have traditionally dressed up to go to worship, and why it is that people say they don't feel like church is a place they can easily attend when they're going through a divorce or having a rough patch with a mental illness or going through one of the harder days of their addiction. Think about it. If we were worshiping in person right now and you found yourself weeping through the whole thing, wouldn't you feel a little bit of pressure to just look around and apologize to the people around you? Where does that come from? Where does that pressure come from? It's because Jesus tells us not to fear, and we've assumed that the opposite of fear is comfort. Comfort isn't a bad thing, of course. I want you all to be comfortable in many ways. Comfortable in your own bodies. Comfortable in your life because you're getting your basic needs met. Comfortable enough in our relationship for you to tell me what's actually going on with you. But too much comfort gets us confused about what faith is and what faith is for. If I draw a circle around myself to mark what I am comfortable with and say that faith must happen within that circle, then who have I placed at the center? Me. 
And the bad and good news all at once is that we are not at the center of our faith lives. God is. And what faith is, is the process of realizing that we don't stand at the center. It's coming to trust that just because we do not stand at the center does not mean that we do not have value, but we are held and loved by the one at the center of it all. Faith is resting in God's love for us and how it uncurls us from ourselves enough to be curious about the rest of the world that God so loves. Faith is the process of realizing that God is enlisting us in God's movement to overcome all that stands in the way of that love. We're not at the center of the circle, but the one who is chooses to be made known through people, to use us to proclaim God's unending and unfailing love for all of creation. And it's risky to become enlisted in this work. News like this that God's love is, in fact, flowing to everyone and that there is, in fact, enough to go around, it threatens to upset the balance of power in a world that assigns worth to some people more than others, a world that relies on the assumption of scarcity that there isn't enough for everyone. News like this rocks the boat it draws people past the circles of comfort, and that doesn't always lead to happy endings. God's news is always good, but for those who benefit from the way that things stand right now, with all that stands in love's way, that news is going to feel bad before it feels good. And it may provoke resistance and conflict and division. That is what Jesus is talking about this morning. That is what these words, which are so strange and hard for us to hear, are directed at. If you tuned into worship last week, you'll remember the scripture was Jesus sending his disciples out, sending them, he says, like lambs into the midst of wolves, defenseless, only taking with them what they need to be in relationship enough to be able to proclaim God's love for this whole world. These words follow right after. Jesus is still talking to these disciples, being sent out like lambs into the midst of wolves. This is why he says, do not fear three times. He is sending his disciples to do God's work and God's work is calling them to places and situations where fear is an appropriate response, where they will be putting their bodies and reputations at risk as they deal with the repercussions of rocking the boat with the good news of God. This is why Jesus says, do not fear. Because Jesus knows the opposite of fear isn't actually comfort, the opposite of fear is fearlessness. Fearlessness 
doesn't avoid the things that we are afraid of. It walks into them knowing that there is a way through. It doesn't deny fear's presence. It feels the pit in the stomach and the racing heart. It simply refuses to let fear stop it from being enlisted by God. And I've seen this in you, Mount Olivet. I've seen fearlessness in you in many ways. But I want to talk to you about the place where I see it most clearly. And that's at the funerals of your family members. I know nobody wants to go to a loved one's funeral. It can be scary to face the reality that a person you love is no longer in the body before you. But you find that you can face it. Every single time I've watched you make it through, you walk through your fear to gather at a funeral to hear the promise that nothing separates us from God's love and that Christ has conquered death. And your presence there is already testifying that this is true. Your fearless presence there is a sign that you already know what it means to be drawn by God past the circle of your comfort into God's work in the world. You trust that you are loved by God and that God's love is strong stronger than death and stronger than your fear. So you already know what it is like, what it means to be fearless. And when you are fearless, it has a permission-giving effect. People take your fearlessness and become fearless as well. Your own acts of courage loosen the grip that fear holds over others. It unknots their stomachs and slows their heart rate just a bit. It's a powerful thing, this fearlessness. And I am wondering this morning, what if the church became known in America as the place where people are fearless? What if church was known not as a place for stable people, but for people who are willing to live by a different story, who announce a different uh, set of news? What if the church had a reputation of rocking the boat for the sake of God's love? What if the church became a place where people went when they were in trouble because they knew the people there were willing to confront everything that stands in the way of God's love? In fact, what is to stop us from becoming a church like that? You already know what it means to be fearless. You have that within you. If we truly believe that Jesus is calling us to fearlessly witness to God's love, even when it's scary, even when it provokes resistance, I think you and I both know that the church right now is going to need to continue to dive into race and racism. That in that part of our faith life, 
part of announcing the good news of God is going to also be learning and unlearning here. And I know this is going to be uncomfortable for us. We're going to feel that pit in our stomach. We're going to feel the lump in our throats or however fear shows up in your body. The work isn't always going to stay confined to the circle that we draw around ourselves. So I know it's going to be uncomfortable. And I also know that we can do this. We already know how to be fearless. And if we can stand at the graveside of our loved ones and proclaim that death has been defeated, certainly we can learn to take racism apart. So in the months ahead, especially if you are white, when an opportunity for you to engage in learning and unlearning around racial justice and equity presents itself, don't opt out. Dare to engage. Believe that God has a part for you to play in taking apart racism in this country. Yes, acknowledge the discomfort. Acknowledge the fear. You know what that feels like in your body. And then choose to say that you're going to go ahead anyway. Set that fear aside for a moment and think about what it would mean to receive and announce the good news of God's love. For even when the pit in your stomach grows large, God is still with you. God still knows every hair on your head. You are of great value to God forever part of God's story, graciously and joyfully invited by God to join this ongoing work of an announce, announcing love that changes the world, a love that already holds you fast. It is this love, this promise, that will summon forth fearlessness. Cling to this promise. Follow Jesus proclaimed the good news, and when the boat rocks, let it rock for love. Amen.